What's happening guys, Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of Cavanade today for April the 26th of 2019. My name is Samuel Adams and welcome to today's show. Of course, as always, I do hope this one finds you well and if you happen to be brand new to the show, this is a daily gaming news podcast where I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry and I pack it up in one tight, neat show for you to enjoy at any portion of your day and it's always the best part of my day. However, it's also put up on podcast services as well as youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media if you did want to check it out. But today we have some pretty big stories. Epic Store will stop exclusives if Steam changes its revenue split, according to Tim Sweeney on Twitter. Now the question is, is this actually a valid statement? Probably not, but the gaming media is still reporting on it as such, so I suppose I will too. Apex Legends Season 2 details are going to be coming at E3. Of course, yesterday we talked about how they were changing the way they rolled out updates to not necessarily compete with Fortnite, but instead to actually treat their devs well which is a pretty good thing to strive for. So you shouldn't expect any new Titanfall games anytime soon because of the success of Apex Legends. Persona 5S is a Dynasty Warriors meets Persona game. Why? Uh, on top of that, Nintendo has no plans to reveal a new Switch at E3 of this year. The PlayStation 5 won't launch before April of 2020, according to Sony, and more than 3 million people downloaded a free copy of Assassin's Creed Unity in the past week because of the free giveaway. That's just a lot of people, and I like big figures like that. Is the big woman still here? But again, if you are brand new to the show, I do hope you enjoy what I bring to the table. And without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top stories. Epic Store will stop exclusives if Steam changes the revenue split, according to the CEO Tim Sweeney, with some caveats. Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney has been making some bold claims on Twitter, which is always fun for spectators and perhaps terrifying for investors. You could go ahead and see you know, SpaceX and Tesla as an example of terrified investors. Once again, the subject is the Epic Games Store's decisive exclusivity strategy, which has ruffled feathers while making a fair number of prominent games off Steam. Let me reread that. Once again, the subject is the Epic Games Store's divisive exclusivity strategy, which has ruffled feathers while taking a fair number of prominent games off Steam. There we go. Sweeney claims all of that will end if Steam commits to an 88% revenue share for developers. In a series of tweets that started out discussing Epic's 12% revenue share, Sweeney repeated what he has said in his main issue with Steam. 30% store dominance is a number one problem for PC developers, publishers, and everyone who relies on those businesses for their livelihood. Epic is determined to fix that, apparently, wielding exclusivity like a stick. If Valve reduced its share matching Epic's, it will back off. And so this is something that a ton of people have been discussing over the course of the past months, but... Of course, this is something that I think is relatively an empty threat, but he does continue. Stores could go back to just being nice places to buy stuff, he added, rather than the game developer IRS. With Valve unlikely to capitulate just because of a tweet or even because of Epic exclusives, it's probably something Sweeney doesn't need to worry about implementing anytime soon and is certainly easier said than done. Sweeney also added a few caveats, including games can use any online systems like friends and accounts and no onerous certificate requirements. He says the goal is an open platform where you just visit Steam to find games and buy them. 
I've reached out, the author says, to Epic to see if this is actually something that it's committed to, but even if that was the case, statements about exclusivity have been walked back before. After being criticized over the Metro Exodus exclusive deal, which saw the game vanish from Steam and apparently only on the Epic Games Store, at the last minute, Epic Steve Allison said that Epic would never do that again. But then it happened again. Anno 1800 at least could still be pre-purchased on Steam until it launched. After Allison's comments, Epic discussed its stance and decided to leave it up to developers and publishers. And so that's pretty much where we are today with this. But interesting to say the least to see that Tim Sweeney is making big and bold claims over there on Twitter. Now, of course, Twitter uh, in and of itself is a place where just the nature of tweets make you kind of prone to talk shit. Uh, and when you talk shit, you get shot in the words of the guys over there. It's kind of funny. Uh, so whenever you are thinking about that kind of approach, I don't think there's any valid claim here. Uh, I don't think this would ever actually happen. I think that whenever there is a company that has the potential to go for exclusives that are without a doubt going to get people in the door, they're more than likely going to go for it. But I still think people were just talking uh, on Twitter. And I think Tim Sweeney got a little bold. Maybe he had a couple shots here and there. Just kidding. I don't know anything about the man. He might not drink. But uh, when it comes down to it, I do not think that the Epic Store is going to stop exclusives anytime soon, at least until they hit a specific threshold of users and dedicated users at that that will continue to support games that are put out on their specific platform. Because obviously, the goal of exclusives is to get people through the door. You know, that's what everybody wants to do. Uh, it's kind of like if you have a Black Friday sale in a way. If you have an Xbox One that is $100 cheaper than any other kind of outlet, then you are going to have more people coming through your door. In the same way, if you are the only place on PC to play something like The Division 2, for instance, uh, at least as compared to Steam or something like that, uh, then you are going to have more people coming through your doorway, your digital doorway in a way, uh, to play The Division 2 and other games like it. And so with that kind of approach, it certainly is an interesting time for PC gaming because there's not really a big problem here in my opinion. Like literally to not have a monopoly over the entire PC gaming market would be a big benefit in my opinion for Steam because that forces them to improve their existing business model. But a ton of people are upset about this because they're real comfortable with their Steam. And so, again, just a very strange time, but competition breeds some pretty awesome features, in my opinion. I mean, imagine if the Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo kind of scuffle hasn't existed. Do you know how, you know, no advancements would have been made over the course of the past 20 years? Like, sure, new technology would have come in, but again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Isn't just something that applies to people. That applies to companies, too. So if stuff is still selling well... And then no changes are going to be made, even if those changes would potentially improve the lives of many around the world, including those uh, for developers and publishers who could be making more money off of their games. Uh, but I digress. Epic Store will stop exclusives if Steam changes its revenue split, according to Tim Sweeney. Again, I don't believe that any more than I could throw Tim Sweeney across a football field. And let me tell you right now, I couldn't do that. I'm a weakling. Uh, but... Let's talk about Apex Legends, another big game that has been coming around for a long time because, of course, tons of people have been talking about the fact that there have been little to no updates for the game since it launched a couple of months back, but big new details are going to be coming to E3 along with a new legend and map changes to Kings Canyon. Also, to Unilama TV, welcome on in. Apex Legends talks major update plans. We know everyone is hungry for us to add new content, they say. If Apex Legends hasn't grown as much since launch as you wanted, Respawn Entertainment hears you. An official message from executive producer Drew McCoy lines out how major 
Apex Legends updates will roll out in the future, including when we can expect to hear more about Apex Legends Season 2. One thing McCoy's message doesn't go into anywhere close to promising a more frequent and, of course, Fortnite-like schedule of content additions. McCoy says we will have to wait until EA Play, EA's three, wow, there's a lot of E's here. McCoy says we'll have to wait until EA Play, EA's E3 adjacent event in June to learn specifics about Season 2. However, he says you can expect a new Battle Pass, a new Legend, something new for the meta, and more for every season, so maybe we won't have to wait too much longer to meet Apex Legends Watson after all. McCoy also teased that Season 2 will include more meaningful content in its Battle Pass, and the author interprets that as fewer badges and stat trackers, i.e. things that don't matter, included with the Battle Pass and changes to the King's Canyon map. McCoy said the studio will also commit to more transparency with its community about what's coming next to the game and when. That doesn't mean it will signal everything, of course, and that commitment began with some frank expectation setting. We know that, in addition to addressing issues with the game, everyone is hungry for us to add new content, McCoy wrote. The studio culture that we've worked hard to cultivate and the health of our team are very important. We take those things into account and when we discuss our content roadmap, the production team schedule and the frequency in which we can update the game. Our long-term goal is to ensure Apex Legends always feels alive and thriving with a focus on quality of content over novelty or speed of release. And my camera is frozen. We need to figure out why that's doing that, because that's really annoying. And we restart. With a focus on quality of content over novelty or speed of release. At the same time, we want to maintain our culture as a development team and avoid crunch that can quickly lead to burnout or worse. I don't think McCoy is trying to start anything here, the author says, but it's tough not to read that part about novelty or speed as a dig at Fortnite, especially given the changes that we've seen over the course of the past couple of days uh, with the narrative around Epic Games, because apparently they're overworking people very drastically and have been for a long time. Uh, so, whenever you're talking about a battle pass, uh, obviously Fortnite has pretty much set a very high expectation because of weekly updates, tons of new content uh, that comes to the game on a very frequent basis. And so, that's pretty much what everybody has come to associate with as the expectation. And that's just not able to be met by a lot of other development companies. And on top of that, I think that if you wait for a while and you allow things to percolate and allow devs to work out all of the kinks, then you could actually end up with some better content. And I think it very well could end up being a big benefit for those that are wanting to get back into Apex Legends. Uh, now, of course, the big thing here from this entire announcement, in my opinion, is the transparency factor. Because that's one of the biggest problems that people have when it comes to not only Respawn, but also gaming development studios as a whole. Even if there is something amazing coming down the pipe, if there is no kind of even just small, minute discussion about what that could be when we could see it, or even just the factor of its existence, if none of that is mentioned, people begin to get a little bit hesitant. People begin to say, ho, oh, is this actually happening? Are we actually seeing big updates? Is this going to suck? That's pretty much what it comes down to. And people begin to have these kind of discussions that in the end of the day does kind of defeat the entire game itself and kind of it gets killed by its own hype in a way. But again, could be a big time at E3 and at EA Play if you did want to get more info about Apex Legends, specifically Season 2. The game itself is fantastic. I'm a big fan of it. Looks really good. Uh, and of course, I have played it for probably around 30 or 40 hours since it came out. But without a doubt, exciting times to be a fan of Apex Legends. Because although, again, updates haven't come out as frequently as we might have liked, a big future ahead for those at Respawn. However... To Wolfpacker in the chat, good morning, my friend. Good to see you. And on top of that, Titanfall could be 
put off for a good long while because of Apex Legends, which is somewhat disappointing to a lot of people, including myself. But hey, Apex Legends is pretty good. Don't expect a new Titanfall game anytime soon. A necessary casualty of Apex Legends success, it appears to be. A video game's business fallacy that outside observers often buy into is that games get cancelled for one another. For instance, Scalebound got canned so Crackdown 3 could get made. That's not how it works. Also, if that were true, what a terrible trade-off that was. However, within single studios, some games absolutely get prioritized over others. That's what's happening with any possible Titanfall sequels right now. Respawn has found such rousing success with Apex Legends, it has to put Titanfall on the back burner. EA and Respawn have released a lengthy statement about future Apex Legends, and the developer notes that there are two distinct teams within the studio that each have their own projects. The Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order team only works on Star Wars, and Respawn won't move resources from one game to another. However, that only applies to what's already in development. According to properly, excuse me, in order to properly pay attention to Apex Legends, it has to sacrifice something, and that something is Titanfall, Respawn says. In order to fully support Apex Legends, we are pushing out plans for future Titanfall games. Strike while the iron's hot and all of that as the saying goes. As for the future of Apex Legends, all of the minute monotony, excuse me, is laid out on the post, early match server performance, audio issues, cheating, communication, and a regular update cadence. And of course, more info, as we just said, is going to be coming at E3, which is a very exciting time uh, for those that are fans of the big BR that could. And so, of course, is this shocking? Uh, not particularly, in my opinion, because Again, the entire game, everything in Apex Legends is set within the Titanfall universe. And, of course, Apex, Le Apex Legends, specifically its multiplayer, garnered more attention than the entirety of Titanfall 2 did throughout its entire life. And, of course, Titanfall 2 is still alive and well. In fact, it actually saw a large boost because of Apex Legends. And so, if you did want to go back and check it out, I would highly encourage that, especially if you are on console, where it's just a rousing success at the moment because tons of people are coming back to play. Uh, but the fact that they're in the same universe, I think, lends itself... Uh, to this specific scenario where Apex Legends is seen uh, with an increased focus, uh, a, a bigger perspective in a way now that it has seen success because, hey, you could stretch Apex Legends out to last, you know, two or three years and then you can start development of the next Titanfall game. However, what I do want to say is that the success of Apex Legends and the fact that the guns, the weapon system itself, uh, the uh, pretty much everything about the game screams Titanfall. It is literally just like Titanfall 2 when it comes to how the game feels, how the games control. Uh, it, it is just an echo of Titanfall. And so I think that if anything here, we are solidifying the future of Titanfall because before with Titanfall 2, it wasn't necessarily a rousing success. And that was mainly due to a bad release date, which had some big games around it that were not nearly as good as Titanfall, but also that had bigger names. And so now that people kind of have got a feel for Apex Legends. Now that in the minds of a lot of people, Apex Legends is affiliated with Titanfall, that connection has been made and more people would be willing to go out and buy a Titanfall 3 or whatever the next one may be. So, of course, this is good news in my opinion, uh, because again, I love Titanfall. I love Apex Legends. The guns themselves control very well. The map is fantastic. I love the lore behind it. Uh, a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe, and I cannot wait to see what happens with Season 2 and beyond. Uh, but, again, no Titanfall coming soon because of Apex Legends, which, again, is a pretty fair trade-off. And, again, a much better trade-off than Scalebound getting canned for Crackdown 3, if that were to actually be the case. Which, again, it's probably not, but wow, what a bad trade-off that was. I'll also tell you some bad trade-offs. Persona 5S is a Dynasty Warriors meets Persona game. 
Who could have seen that one coming? Yesterday, Atlas revealed Persona 5 The Royale, an upgraded edition of Persona 5 that will be released next year. Today, Atlas showcased another title. It turns out Persona 5S, long rumored to be a Switch port of Persona 5, is actually a Musou game like Hyrule Warriors or Dynasty Warriors called Persona 5 Scramble The Phantom Strikers. And of course, you can check out the reveal trailer right here. But for those that don't know, essentially Dynasty Warriors or Hyrule Warriors is this giant conglomeration of battles that happens on a specific portion of a map and of course I would highly encourage you to actually check out the trailer itself which I'll play right here uh, but this is not Persona and this is not what people had expected uh, I think that's what I really want to drive home here I don't know who wanted this I, I think that's really what I'm trying to say because everybody was excited about Persona 5 coming to the switch and again I'm not a big Persona guy but I know what people want because I have my, you know, Twitter feed that gives me pretty much a pulse on the gaming industry. And so I see a ton of people tweeting about this, wanting it, you know, lusting over it. And it just didn't happen. Uh, you get this instead, which essentially, as you can see, is nothing like the persona that you know and love. It is literally a hollow shell of what you would expect. But at the same time, it's a cool experiment, in my opinion. Uh, you know, whenever you are on a development team, there is always this small desire to branch out, try something new, you know, scratch that creativity itch in the back of your brain and really try to bring something new to the table. And that's exactly what you're seeing here. Now, the question is, if this sees success, will you eventually get Persona 5 on the Nintendo Switch? Probably not. I just don't see that happening. But again, it is Atlas. They do weird things. So it very well could. But again, Persona 5 has been out for such a long time that I just don't see a version of it coming to the Switch being profitable, or at least, you know, enough so that it warrants bringing it and porting it to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, but this is an interesting game. Again, not what people necessarily wanted, but it's what we've got. So if you did want to get a Persona game on your Switch, uh, this could be a pretty big deal. Of course, also coming to the PlayStation 4 as well, if you did want to check it out. Uh, but... Sort of disappointing because, hey, who really, did anybody really, who wanted this? Who signed these papers? Who? Which one? You should get fired. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. But you won't be playing Persona 5 on any Switch. You won't be playing Persona 5 Scramble on a new Switch, at least not at E3 of this year. Of course, this is in, you know, a return, if you will, a response to the rumors going around that there was a cheaper Nintendo Switch console going to be making the rounds at E3. So, if you have been waiting for a cheaper, kid-proof Nintendo Switch, bad news, the company will not be revealing one at E3 this year. As a general rule, we're always working on new hardware, and we will announce it when we are able to sell it, Nintendo CEO Shunturu Furukawa told reporters in Osaka today. But we have no plans to announce that at this year's E3 in June. His comments refute a Bloomberg report that suggested a new, more affordable Switch would be released by the end of June. Technically, it could be revealed later in the month after E3, but that seems unlikely. A more powerful Switch console has also been rumored for some time, and yesterday Bloomberg suggested that it was no longer on the cards, but that a modest upgrade would come out later this year. One thing is certain, Nintendo needs some kind of new hardware to continue the Switch's momentum. The company itself has sold 34.74 million consoles to date, an impressive feat, but only shifted 2.47 million last quarter, down from 2.93 million one year ago. And of course, tons of big games have come out and are coming out, with New games like Super Mario Maker 2, Fire Emblem 3 Houses, and Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening helping to drive hardware sales, but of course those are only people that don't already own a Switch. So the question here is do we need a new Nintendo Switch, as this article claims, to continue 
seeing big sales from Nintendo, and I don't necessarily think that we do. Uh, I mean, a lot of discussion has gone around this over the course of the past few weeks as all of these rumors have come out from big, notable sources like Bloomberg, but do we need a cheaper Switch? I think that would be a good move. Do we need a modest upgrade for the Switch? Potentially, but it's not a necessity. None of these are necessities because the Nintendo Switch is still relatively affordable in the grand scheme of things. For 300 bucks, uh, which again is not just junk change, don't get me wrong, but for 300 bucks, you get one of the coolest handheld slash hybrid consoles ever created by man. It's a really, really cool console. Of course, not as powerful as something like a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One X, but the Switch has a nice charm to it. It's a really cool little piece of hardware. And so to have a newer, cheaper model of the Switch that might make a couple of caveats here and there and knock the price down to between 200 and 250 could definitely sell well and you would see a big boost in sales from that. But is it a necessity? I just, I don't know. Uh, and so to see it not coming to E3 is not necessarily shocking. But again, it could come out sometime this summer. That's when the rumors have been circulating. But again, is there a necessity? Is there a market for this? Do you think people would buy this? Uh, I am kind of up in the air about it. Now, in my personal opinion, would I buy one? As somebody who has had a Switch before, sold one because I didn't use it? Potentially, depending on the price point. You know, there are some really cool uh, games that are out on the Switch right now, including first-party and third-party exclusives. So... It's a pretty cool little console, but we will see what happens throughout the course of 2019. Again, the realm is wide open. The field is ready for play. So if they do want to release one, this is the best time to do it. Uh, and I would say, without a doubt, if you are going to release an updated model of the Switch with a little bit more power, for the love of all that is good, do it before the next generation of consoles comes out. Because let me tell you right now, if there is a PlayStation 5 and whatever the next Xbox may be called out on the market, and then you release a Switch, it is going to make that Switch look absolutely horrible in comparison via terms of power. Because the Switch itself right now is outdone by leaps and bounds as compared to the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X. And so, of course, Nintendo fans don't necessarily care about power. It's all about the games, as it should be. But still, it's nice to have that kind of narrative where it's like, hey, a little bit more powerful Nintendo Switch getting close to the PS4, getting close to the Xbox One S. Uh, but again, if the next generation rolls out, that's not happening. That's not happening at all. So with that being said, they should probably get that done before April of 2020 because the PlayStation 5 won't launch before April of 2020, according to Sony. Sony may have begun talking openly about the PlayStation 5, of course, in reference to a Wired article that came out last week, but it's still a long way from going on sale. Today, Sony said it would not release PS5 for at least another 12 months, pushing its arrival to May 2020 at the absolute earliest, according to the Wall Street Journal. Sony made the statement as part of its impressive end of its financial year results. 2018 was Sony's most profitable year ever across both the whole company and its dedicated gaming division. Sony shipped another 17.8 million PlayStation 4 consoles over the past 12 months, down slightly from 19 million the year before. But regardless, PS4 now stands at 96.8 million consoles shipped over its entire lifespan, meaning it will hit the magic 100 million milestone next year. Profits from the past year's console sales, some 31.1 billion yen, will be plowed into production of PlayStation 5, according to Sony. And that's pretty much where it sits right now. But again, not launching before April of 2020. And I don't think this was too much of a shock for a lot of people. Of course, rumors have been going around that a PlayStation 5 would be making an appearance at E3 and launching sometime in fall slash winter of this year. But 
I think a lot more people were kind of looking towards 2020, maybe fall slash winter of 2020 around the holiday season when that kind of thing sells really well uh, to actually identify a definable release date. So I think we could be seeing something like that. Uh, 2020 just makes sense because that's roughly about eight years or so, and that's just about uh, the length of any kind of regular console cycle for Sony. Uh, so if you did want to get a PlayStation 5, you could have to wait a while. And hey, that buys you some more time to save up the cash if you might be running a little bit low. Uh, but very exciting times of course big news uh, for these big profits big sales from Sony and of course all of that money going into PS5 at this point because hey why wouldn't you you know if you pump tons of cash into development research all that good stuff around a new console it is going to pay off especially when the competition is so neck and neck because whenever you have Xbox bringing it to the table you know, reportedly, a lot of big news going to be coming at this year's E3. Uh, but whenever you have Xbox actually presenting a really, really cool-looking piece of hardware at E3, uh, then you could actually, you know, be in the in the. You, you could be worried a little bit because up until this point, nobody's ever said, "Hey, the Xbox One S." You know what's you you know what's worse than that? The PlayStation 4 Pro. Like no one ever says these things. And so to actually have genuine competition again, head to head, uh, is something that is very very exciting and of course going to be great for gamers because as I said with the uh, Epic Game Store conversation competition just breeds better products that's pretty much what it comes down to and that's what makes me very excited but of course, last week I talked about a free game for you, which was Assassin's Creed Unity, the Notre Dame burned down in a terrible, destructive history engulfing flame. And so, obviously, as they would, Ubisoft gave you a free game because, hey, that just makes sense. But more than 3 million people downloaded a free copy of Assassin's Creed Unity in the past week. You could call it a revolution. One of the most notorious Assassin's Creed games has found a new life five years after launch. In the wake of the Notre Dame fire in Paris, Ubisoft ran a promotion where it gave away Assassin's Creed Unity for free on PC. The Notre Dame Cathedral is that game's stunning centerpiece after all, of course. For those that don't know, during the French Revolution, it was used as a food warehouse uh, and also kind of like a, uh, I guess you could say, a, a home base, if you will, for the revolutionaries. People gobbled it up. Now that the giveaway is over, the Hollywood Reporter states that Assassin's Creed Unity has been downloaded more than 3 million times in the past week. Also, users took to Steam to reverse review bomb the game, leaving large swaths of positive feedback in response to Ubisoft's promotion. Because again, for those that don't know, to update you on more history that's a bit more recent than the Notre Dame itself, the game when it came out was not good. It was really rough around the edges because of the leap in generation between PS3 and PS4 and Xbox 360 and Xbox One. It was, of course, the first game that made the leap entirely not having any kind of existing version on the previous generation of consoles. And so with that new tech came a couple of issues here and there. But there are two Notre Dame angles that concern Ubisoft. The French publisher has pledged to donate 500,000 euro to help restore the church. And additionally, there is talk that Assassin's Creed Unity is in-game recreation might be used to help rebuild the Notre Dame Cathedral. Of course, it was uh, pretty much studied for two years exclusively with internal scans taken to to accurately recreate every single brick. So that's pretty useful. It also took some extremely unfortunate circumstances, but Assassin's Creed Unity is eerily relevant again. Uh, so again, if you did get that free copy, congratulations. I always try and let you guys know when pretty good deals do roll down the pipe, and I think I do pretty well in that. I might miss a couple of here and there, but that's a pretty good one right there. I would love to know how many people actually opened the game because I have it installed. I went and downloaded it and, and, and I got my free game, but I haven't had the chance to play it. 
could be doing that over the summer, maybe even over the weekend if we're feeling a little bit spicy. Uh, but that rounds out today's episode of Caffeinate. Of course, if you are brand new to the show, I do hope you enjoy what I bring to the table. And the show is hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern time right here on twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams live. But of course, up on YouTube and podcast services around the world if you did want to check it out. And to those joining me live in the chat, I appreciate you being here. Always a good time to present you the news that you need to know on a daily basis from the gaming industry. Need some water. Getting a little parched. Uh, but until Monday, you guys have a fantastic rest of your weekend. And peace.